out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the same. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast, where a bunch of people gather around the table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film says course. But however, this particular month, we are in a Patreon exclusive special. Not exclusive because you're a Patreon. Yeah, I would say not exclusive to patrons, but. but- Exclusive as you, in so far as if you exclusively give us money, we will exclusively give you selection of a marathon. Not anymore. Not uh, anymore. No, but we're we done. did. Yeah, we you learned our pick, lesson. You can still. Yeah. We, well, here's the uh, Keith and Brigham ruined it for everybody by making us do two months of uh, anime in, in the, the same, same year. year. Yeah, uh, but it was fun, and I'm glad we did it. Um, this is the end of it. This is the final installment of the Keith and Thon. Yes, it is. We're looking at uh, Akira, which almost certainly has been discussed in some way shape or form in a film studies course uh, multiple yeah I- i'm sure it has you know and of course as you all know uh this film is we, uh, we the documentary it. by chris marker about the life of a uh, character so it's more of a travel log than anything <laughs> and oh wait no that's ak i'm sorry that's a different thing altogether is uh, that a real thing it's a real thing that sounds fucking cool it is it's actually amazing i like it a lot yeah, we, so we we bend the rules a little bit on on these marathons. Uh, we 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 get a little uh, cheaty, um, which is why we did this. Uh, we we couldn't do two anime marathons and not talk about Akira. It just kind of seemed like something we had to do. Right. Uh, there's also one other uh, thing that's gone on in terms of anime stuff, and that has been our um, Pokemon Go event. Uh, thank you so much, all who attended. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. The house out, and you guys are great. Yeah. Now that nobody can do anything to stop us, uh, I hope you enjoyed watching Pokemon the first movie: colon, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Thank you, everyone, for coming out to the show. Uh, we screened a thing that we legally shouldn't have, um, but. Then you guys got to watch us talk about it, and that was fun. It was, absolutely. And so, again, thank you very much for that. Let's go ahead and identify these voices that are speaking all these words. We've been talking for so long, and they might not know who we are. To my left, sir, who are you? Uh, my name is Dalton Stewart, and um, I don't I don't know. Was there a good quote in this movie? Not really. Tetsuo! Very good. There we go. Thank you very much. Uh, to my right, sir, who are you? Uh, my name is Caleb Masters, and amoebas don't make motorcycles and atomic bombs. Um, well, sort of. Be a lot cooler if they did. That's right. (laughs) My name is Dustin Sells, and uh, I watched this movie. And I'm so glad to be talking to you guys about this movie. Uh, Because really, it is a lot of fun. Um, Let's go ahead and get the dear There's some dope motorcycle stuff in this movie. There is some great stuff. I want that BMW Mm -hmm. that he has. Mm -hmm. It's not a real motorcycle, but I want it. Yeah. Now, this is what's going to be coming down the pike for you, dear listener, especially if this is your first time listening. This is not a review show. It's an analysis show. And so there will be spoilers if you have not seen the film up to this point. But what we'll do for you is we'll, we'll spare give, you. We'll spare you some. We'll give you our quick synopsis. Uh, so, we'll do a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, and then we'll do our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We'll play our game, which can get mildly spoilery about this film and other films. And then once we get down to business and really get down to our analysis, that's when spoilers are ahead and ahoy. And you have been warned at that point uh, if you need to pause, see the movie, and then come back to it. We totally understand that. For it, but we're trying to do the best thing. We, we're trying to be as charitable as possible. We are we are far kinder than the goo monsters of Akira. I, well, I think it's important for us to, before we do anything, to talk about what we thought about the movie. Because they can always color analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't want to spoil you too hard. Um, and especially for this one, you should watch it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit. I think you should definitely watch this movie. So I, this is an episode where 
if you've never caught up with Akira, I would go ahead and stop now. Uh, and again, yes, this is Dalton, your friend who hates anime, talking right now, saying you should watch this movie. Like, I think it's important that you watch this, and then come and then come back, and then we'll talk about it. Hey guys, I think I just he- heard hell freeze over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalton, I don't believe in that place either. I don't believe in anime, and I don't believe in hell. Um, <laughs> right. But if I did believe in hell, I imagine they'd make me watch a lot of uh, Neon Genesis. Clearly, um, one's very good and one's very bad. Um, he does think those things. Moving right along, though, uh, let's hear that synopsis <laughs> from... <laughs> Do the, I think Hell's very good? Uh, no, Akira's very good. Hell's, oh, hell's, okay. hell's real bad. It's metal as fuck. <laughs> you ever see, you've Wait, seen those Renaissance paintings? I know if you listen to metal, you go there, but that's, that's all I not really true. That's not true. <laughs> Kill yourself. Hail Satan. That's that's the back, back masking on the podcast. So, Bishop Arthur Gordon, without any further ado, can we hear the synopsis of the film Akira. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath that only one kid and a group of psychics can stop. Now that is metal as fuck. But can you say only one kid and then use the conjunction and? I mean, is that really even appropriate? Because, yeah, those, oh, I guess the psychics aren't kids, though, so it is just one kid. Uh, are, are they're, they? fi- they're physically children. They're physically children, I suppose. They're all Benjamin Button. They, yes. they have Benjamin Button's disease. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. J- just like Amy Schumer in that amazing uh, sketch about pageants. <laughs> well, Dalton, you've already glowed a little bit about the film, so let's go ahead and begin with you. Uh, what do you okay. think of Akira? I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, yes, uh, I, I guess it bears mentioning I also like motorcycles a lot. Uh, and yeah, so the first like 15 minutes of this movie, I was like, this is hella cool. This is cool. That clown motorcycle gang fight. That, that, all that gang fight is bitching, dude. I liked it a lot. So yeah, it, it hooked me pretty pretty fast. Uh, and again, I you know I'm familiar with the film. I knew there were psychics. I knew there was gang warfare. Um, I, but you know I'm familiar with that very iconic poster of uh, Kaneda walking uh, to his motorcycle uh, that has been uh, lampooned, I guess, lovingly homaged uh, in everything from uh, for in artwork for everything from Drive to to Star Wars, like. If you like a thing, they've done a version of this poster for that thing that you like, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I dug it, though, Dustin. I really did. Um, here's the thing. I have talked a lot of dog shit uh, throughout this marathon uh, about Japan uh, and how I don't understand their culture. What I will say real quick up top, uh, without getting too spoilery, I think something they really excel at, uh, that Western fiction does not is really reckoning with violence um, in a way that I, I think is important and I think is really nuanced and I think is really mature. Um, and it's something that I, I don't think a lot of Western fiction does. I think Western fiction um, is really still very self-absorbed with the idea of redemptive or retributive violence. Whereas Japan, um, despite not fully acknowledging their terrible war crimes during World War II, uh, the rape of Nanking, uh, being uh, chief among them, and again, I know I've talked about that already this month, but my point is they don't really talk about that. However, what they do a really good job of is recognizing their role in something truly terrible uh and it's something that we don't do uh because right side or wrong side uh so many millions of people are dead they're still not sure how many people died in world war ii they guys they don't fucking know when it's not even just world war ii it's the radiation sickness that's literally still affecting people in japan absolutely absolutely and that's the thing i think and we'll talk about the bombs we'll talk about it all but I, i i think japan came out of world war ii with a much more nuanced idea 
an understanding of warfare. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of a standing army, I think. But they, they came out of it really, I think, more mature than uh, a lot of other industrialized nations. And I think that's something that Akira speaks to greatly. And it's part of why I liked the movie so much. Now, it's it's kind of messy and confused. Uh, not confusing, confused. Uh, and we'll, we'll get there. We'll talk about that. Uh, but ideologically, it's it, it's messy. But it, it's fun. It's entertaining. I, I think with a lot of the anime we've watched, it has some Act 2 problems where it just kind of slows down to a fucking crawl. Um, much like Paprika did um, earlier this month, but it's good. It's real good. I liked it a lot. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you have to say? Well, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with a lot of Dalton, Dalton's sentiments there. And I've got to say, I'm so glad we decided to do this movie because I, I, it would have been criminal for us to have not talked about uh, Akira uh, while talking about anime on yeah. the Good Trash genre cast. And who knows? After two marathons in one year, who knows when the next time we'll have a chance to talk. Anime will be. So. Literally never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie has been praised for years by critics and fans as one of the definitive anime films of all time. Well, and I feel like unlike the last quote-unquote definitive anime film we did uh, ghost in the shell i the, the the hype is real oh no this movie still this movie holds up a hell of a lot better than ghost in the shell yeah. i would watch this over ghost in the shell any day of the week um and not to say ghost in the shell was terrible i just feel like they've that idea has been refined and we've seen other people tell that story in, in significantly more interesting ways um and i think this historically is mo- a lot more important than than ghost in the shell as well um uh, at least as, as it coincides with the history of J- japan's history mm-hmm. um now the, the, the animation for this movie is crazy stunning it's especially so, for 1988 dude it's so good it's all hand-drawn this is back in the 80s it looks amazing yeah. I, I, the, the motion, the, the thing that really blew my mind, Caleb, and I'm, you watch a lot more anime than I do, so I, I don't. What little I've seen, there is some kind of herky jerkiness sometimes. Mm-hmm. This movie is the, the motion in this movie is so fluid and flawless, like it blew me away. Yeah, this is not like one of those animes where they they cut a lot of stuff out of the frames, and then, like you said, it looks all kind of just like it feels like something's missing in the in the way that the shots are executed. No, this this looks smooth and clear. Um, I actually paid the extra money to rent this in HD versus a uh, uh, standard def and I and I'm really glad I did because uh, the animation is fantastic um, we, we the dub we watched was the second dub uh, the most recent dub that yeah, was I guess that bears mentioned the 2001 dub. 2001 dub which um, featured a lot of uh, uh, like if you've uh, if you've ever seen any anime in America you've probably heard most of these voices at one point or another so it was doubly weird when I heard like like the leader from Digimon on here, like swearing like a sailor. I was like, oh, hey, this is strange. But it was really cool. It was a top-notch. This is, there's a lot of really bad dubs out here, and I think they really got some of the best voice actors uh, in the industry for this one. Um, I'm not super uh, gung-ho on the portrayal of women, for example, and I wonder if there, the, there might have been a lot that was lost when the film was adapted from the the manga, which yeah, ran there, for, there, there's some pretty wonky stuff in there. There's there, there's there, especially with the portrayal of women, it's, it's definitely there. Um, and, and I do think that maybe that there was some, some stuff that might have been lost in translation of the from the manga to the film. That was nine years with the manga. Hey, but you know what? No upskirt shots. None That's of that. A first, none of that. No, none of that. Um, those criticisms aside, though, I think this really is. The one of the perfect films to watch if you're trying to get a better understanding of what the cultural zeitgeist of post-war Japan was like, particularly in the 1970s, 80s, and early 90s. Um, so this is an outstanding film. I love it a lot, and uh, I'm really excited to get into the analysis of, uh, analysis of it. Thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. All right, Dustin. 
laying on because I you've seen this movie a couple of times. Right? Yeah. This was my first viewing. I know probably you, a half a dozen times. I'm saying, I know you've seen it a lot. You you were a big proponent of us talking about this. Absolutely, because I think the film is so iconic and it is um, absolutely successful in insofar as providing a commercial, industrial, uh, cinematic entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, providing uh, this way of experiencing Japan in a way that's palatable. I mean, it's not it's not overly Japanese, although um, the Japanese ness of the film is definitely in your face mm-hmm. and uh, so you, you you are encountering strange storytelling it's deeply uh, important yes yeah and uh, mythologies and uh, wrestlings with uh, again the experience of Japan that is um, again foreign in many ways to Americans and so it does those things in a very interesting sort of way it's it's definitely very very hip and cool and sexy uh, in terms of you know biker gangs yeah my and, man my man uh, jumps up on the front fender and uh, kicks a dude in the face yeah yeah it's so hella cool it does all of that sort of stuff. Um, it does this, uh, again, interesting science fiction bits, interesting sort of Buddhist bits, uh, and uh, again, sort of post-nuclear uh, Holocaust bits. So it's doing all of those things very, very well. It is a mess, though. Um, you mentioned the word confused rather than confusing. Uh, the narrative itself is not only ideologically confused, the narrative itself is it's just it's a bit messy. Um, and, it, and it does so in a way that uh, it's not doing the interesting art house cinema thing in which it's eliding bits. It, it's really just, I don't, we don't really know how to resolve this, and so we're going to sp- speak of it as a mystery. Maybe later we could, dot, dot, dot. I was looking at the sub-version uh, when I watched it. Mm. And then the next voice comes in, but it has already begun. No, that's not an ellipsis because it's, it's, it's hiding something. It's an ellipsis because they don't know what they're saying, and they don't know what they're doing. And so there's, there's a little bit of mess there that, that I find frustrating, but for the most part, I'm inoculated with the eye candy. And that makes it all right. And so I forgive a lot of that in my viewing experience, although my critical eye and, and analysis may demonstrate some other things. I, you know, I'll get into this analysis, but I, I actually am prefer, I prefer it be confused because I think and again, and my analysis is going to be as it represents as a cultural icon from Japan. But, uh, you, you know, like I, I, I would be frustrated if this movie followed through. Because I don't think it would have accurately re- represented where Japan was at in 1988. Yeah, I don't want to get. I don't want it to spoon feed me. I don't want it to give me all the things. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big proponent of uh, sort of art house uh, foreign cinema. I I love that kind of stuff where it is sort of vague and ununderstandable, and it's making a point of that. But for me, again, it seems like uh, the the uh, the director is one of those great directors that has an incredible visual eye. And also knows how to throw together some themes to make it interesting, but didn't really know where to go after that. And so it's two-thirds of the perfect film. Which is a, a thing that makes analysis of this film a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. I, I will go ahead and say up front, is is those themes are surface at best sometimes, which, which is tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So more on that anon. Um, however, right now, guys, it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game is Science Experiments Gone Wrong. That's right, Science Experiments Gone Wrong, brought to you by Akira. Akira. That experiment sure went wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it did. <laughs> Fucking uh, keeping his eyes in a jar. Oof. That's where I keep all my eyes. In jars? In jars yeah. buried underneath your house? They're, they're not the ones I'm using. They're just all mine. Did you keep them under the... Because uh, they're mine now. Are they, are they, they're in a cooler buried <laughs> underneath your house. I'm not even going to chase this rabbit. 
yeah, so it's a science experiment gone wrong. Uh, yet another thing uh, in this movie that's not fully explained is uh, these eighty-year-old uh, kids uh, with psychic powers. Yeah, so which is fine. I didn't. I don't really care. So I'm curious to see how we play this out. What are your favorite experiments gone wrong? Dalton Stewart, go right ahead. I am going to lead off with a fucking classic, and that is Bride of Frankenstein. But I'm not talking about the bride, and I'm not talking about Frankenstein's monster. I'm talking about those weird little people in jars. Oh, yeah, the Lilliputians that aren't Lilliputians. Yes. Yeah, the the thing that uh, I don't know why we don't talk about more from Bride of Frankenstein, which is this great... um, If you have not caught up with, with these films, you're missing out, because they are legitimate classics uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are amazing films the, the universal pictures from the 30s uh, Bride of Frankenstein has this weird digression uh, during what the second act probably um, where the, the scientist um, that Frankenstein is friends with Dr. Frankenstein is friends with uh, shows him his weird little people um, and when I say little I mean uh, like action figure sized people that he keeps in jars and they dance and they do weird things and it is bizarre and funny and you can tell that they were just having a lot of fun with the special effects that they were uh, learning there uh, at the time and again i mean groundbreaking special effects for you know the early mid-30s at that point late 30s mid 30s okay um it's just weird and silly and doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense and has no bearing on the narrative whatsoever and that's why it's a a science experiment gone wrong because nothing bad happens with them it's just doesn't belong in that movie whatsoever but it's so great. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, it, that is one of my favorite films of all time. I, I, I love what you're saying. I also hate that bit for the narrative. Yeah, I, it's right. awful. It's right? awful. It's right. stupid, but it's so cool. Yeah, it's very, very it's fun. It's a ton of fun. Uh, my next is a film, uh, my next science experiment gone wrong is a film that the, the longer I talk about it, the more I realize there are a lot of people that hate this movie, and I think they're all wrong, and that is Splice. Uh, from 2011, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, stars Adrian Brody and uh, Sarah Pauly, and I forget who directed it um, because I'm bad. Uh, but uh, you probably remember Splice, but if you don't, it is Frankenstein meets uh, the 90s uh, sci-fi erotica film Species. Um, I feel like if you saw Splice, you probably remember it. You, If you saw it, you definitely you remember it. it. But yeah. if you don't, if you never got around to seeing it, it's the, it's the one with the, the, the vaguely sexual... Uh, uh, lady monster with the, a bald head. Uh, it's a weird movie, and I love it. I think it's fucking bonkers and gonzo and weird. Um, I haven't seen it uh, since its initial theatrical run, um, but I, I distinctly remember my experience watching that movie and just the entire time being like, this is awesome. This is my kind of crazy. There is some weird sexual politics that I don't know how I'm going to feel about them if I go back and watch it. Uh, so I will throw that addendum out there. But I think the movie is is full on. I mean, it is it is in the vein of Frankenstein. I mean, it shares that that DNA DNA with the modern Prometheus. I, it's it's good stuff, man. It's weird. It's well acted. It's it's well shot. The the creature effects are really cool. Um, I dig it a lot, and I highly recommend you check it out if you have not yet. Um, that's great. Uh, my my last pick is um, one that I'm not sure how I feel about recommending because I don't particularly like this movie, but 
it's Event Horizon, which we have talked about on this show. That's a great movie, Dalton. I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's not. It's, it's wonderful. No, it's, it's not. one of the best sci-fi horrors ever made. It's pretty you're bad. Still wrong. It's pretty bad. Um, but I like I like so much about it. I like ideas in it. I like that um, their attempt uh, to travel through slip space um, went through hell, which is just a cool idea. That when they folded space and time, they accidentally went through hell. I wish the movie was more about that because it's really not at all. Like they don't, they barely touch on that. And it's such a cool idea. Um, but, but idea coolness alone gets at a hundred points. We are talking about hell a lot on this show. Um, praise be to the dark one. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, dad. Do you still love me? Yeah, I do. I'm just going through phase, man. <laughs> hey, you, you and black Dil- uh, Philip over there can save your date for later. Black Philip, black Philip. Um, that's it. That's all I want to talk about. Those are my three picks. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? Well, well firstly, uh, Event Horizon. I love that movie. Uh, moving on. Uh, it's great. Go watch it. I don't care what these people say. Uh, secondly, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and hit up Day of the Dead, Bub the Zombie. That oh, is nice. a Good science uh, experiment gone wrong. That was one of the more interesting aspects of that film. Uh, the movie itself is kind of eh, kind of weird, kind of okay. But they kind of experimented. Uh, that was where they, they started to tease the idea that, hey, wait, the zombies can grow like they can get smarter and they can adapt and, and, and not, not really be trained, but they actually have, do have some autonomy there that we didn't ever think zombies could have. That's a really good pick. Um, uh, this is going to gradually get wonkier and more fun. Uh, so second pick, uh, any Sam Raimi Spider-Man villain, period. All of them, science experiments gone wrong. Uh, Norman Osborn, yeah, dude, he gassed himself too hard. Um, I don't. It said the Doc Ock. Uh, what did he do? He planted. It. He planted an AI in the back of his neck. It's like, yeah, I can control this thing. Good you idea. Be careful when you're huffing that paint, man. <laughs> um, I, the third one, Sandman. The, he like walked into the wrong pit, and the scientists were like, ah, it's just a bird, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. So all those ex- science experiments gone very wrong. Third, we're gonna go look at uh, a good old family film. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Science uh, experiment gone yeah. way wrong. Good pick. Uh, I mean, any. I think there's a, what, there are the three of those movies. I there think? is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, and Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves. Yes, which I have seen many times because my daycare played that movie a lot, a lot. Uh, the giant cockroach. That, that, yep. that, that was yep. where my my fear of cockroaches began. Uh, there's <laughs> also a point where they fall in the French onion dip, which uh, sounds unpleasant and vaguely tasty Ooh, yeah extra protein um <laughs> yuck um so that's a fun that's a fun movie right there and lastly guys this is a i don't even want to say this is a guilty pleasure because i haven't watched this movie in years but uh one of my favorite science experiments going wrong when i was a teenager because it played on tv all the time all of the time the sharks from deep blue sea yeah they they, they said hey we're gonna cure, cure alzheimer's by making these sharks uh smarter that'll work right yeah yeah, and then we get that great moment when they outsmart Samuel L. Jackson. When he's like, guys, calm down. We got this shit, and bam, shark eats Samuel L. Jackson. It, it is one of Sam Jackson's finest moments. It was fantastic. Because it totally, it's so fucking funny. It totally subverts everything you think is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And then and then the other uh, non-white person in the movie ends up being, is and he was so much the fun. The ladies love cool James, dude. I loved him in that movie. It was so much fun. Alrighty, well, thank you very much, Mr. Caleb Masters. I appreciate that all very, very much. Dustin, give me them picks, baby. Okay, so I, I, I like my stuff to be disturbing and very, very scary. Have you seen Splice? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a big question. I haven't actually seen you're Splice. Gonna, you're gonna, you haven't? <laughs> no. <laughs> you I, I, will I, love I mean, Buddy. You're going to like it, man. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm in for Splice. I want to check that out. Um, and I like all things Frankenstein. I will give like sort of an honorable mention pick at this point. We have already mentioned the Frankenstein's monster, and I want to mention just the depiction of the monster in Penny Dreadful. It's good. Yeah. It's real 
real good. Because there's this opening, and I, this is mildly spoilerific in the first half of the first season, um, in which he has a more successful outing, and you don't really realize that, that it's is, not. That yeah. it's not that. And then the monster, the first monster, Monster Prime, shows up and uh, kills, you know, this sort of sweet, sort of slow... Uh, version yeah. of Adam, it. isn't that what he it calls was, it? Uh, yeah, that was a big what, shocker. Yeah, it, it, man, it's uh, fucking cool. Yeah, it. So I mean, that isn't. And again, this is the first experiment. He's come back to haunt him, and it, I like that. It's one of the better portrayals of the yes. relationship between uh, Doctor and Monster. I think that I've seen because I've, I've seen quite a few of them. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. So I'm, I'm honorably mention that because I think I love it very, very much. Um, I also really love the experiment gone wrong in in zombie fiction in general. Um, but I will mention 28 Days Later. You rage virus up top. Yeah, rage virus where they're working on rabies stuff, I guess, and then it gets into humans. And I love that. And the same thing goes on with like the Will Smith I Am Legend. You know those kind of things. The, the, the scene in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, where the Mad Husband zombie goes in, Robert Carlyle goes in for the eyes on. Uh, yeah, it's hard to watch. Mm, it's Ooh. tough. It's un- talk about disturbing. Though. Pleasant. Yeah. There, that is uh, Twenty Eight Weeks Later carries the torch of movies like Aliens, uh, where literally every fucking thing that could go wrong goes chaos theories the movie where it's Mm. just like every goddamn time you think they're finally going to pull something off they get the rug pulled out right from underneath them caleb and i talked about this recently on back to the movies uh with uh the um fede alvarez film don't breathe um sometimes that's really rewarding and sometimes it's really frustrating i think 28 weeks later and dustin i know we've talked about this before uh, that is a film that deeply disturbed you as a father um but I, I think that's a really great example of like constantly like putting your protagonist through the fucking gauntlet and yes. it never gets too frustrating good pick man yeah like like it a lot um okay so my last sort of fun pick i suppose before i get into the very disc ooh picks um and that is going to be the jurassic park dinosaurs mm-hmm. i mean you know i mean it's all fun and games but the pirates of the Caribbean, when they break down, they don't eat the tourists. <laughs> I mean, and that is, you know, again, science gone terribly wrong, and I like that very much. We, we talk about Dustin. If this was an island full of condors, you, no problems. Yeah, the t- man eating condors, not the same thing. Uh, so, uh, you guys uh, dig up uh, dinosaur bones? All righty. Uh, but all hail the Cronenberg uh, for science gone wrong. Ble- ble- oh, no. Blessed be David. Um, uh, always. Uh, number two, before I get to number one, is the fly. Uh, because, again, the Brundle fly, the Jeff Goldblum, it's just so scary. It's so bad. There, <gasps> Arthur has a Brundle fly figure. He just handed me in studio, dear listener. I cannot tell you my yeah, joy. He tried to hand that to you earlier. I, I, I don't mean, think you realized what it I was. I did not know what was happening. Oh my gosh! Yes, please, and always. I'm Brundlefly. Mm, mm. Yes, it's D- so gross and so awesome. I can't wait, Dustin. That uh, that like final transformation. I still have not been able to bring myself to rewatch it since I saw it the first time because it. Lit- I don't get grossed out, but that movie viscerally disturbed me in a yeah. way that I can't quite reconcile. All right, buddy. But the best one okay. is Cronenberg is Shivers. Oh, you're gonna go shivers, okay. shivers, because again, it's, it's yeah, yeah. scientific experimentation that creates these sort of leech uh, parasites uh, that make you sex crazed uh, and I, cannibal. I, I believe they called them uh, shitty dildos on uh, the Faculty of War. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah, they're 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 poopy and phallic. I really thought you were gonna go scanners. Scanners, no, not really. I mean, I like scanners. But scanners is good. Scanners is good, but I, I'm definitely stronger viscerally for me is definitely shivers. And uh, so that is uh, my selection. But all, again, I think Scanners gets a great honorable mention. Also, The Brood. I mean, Cronenberg deals with this quite a bit. There's an extent to which this happens in Videodrome oh, as wait, well. Oh, wait. I think The Brood was what I was thinking of. What's the one at the, the resort? 
Is that the brood or is that shivers? That's shivers. Okay, okay. I was thinking of shivers. Which one's the brood? The brood is when the kids, um, they're the very, very scary kids. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so there you go, dear listener. Um, those are our selections. We'd love to hear yours. You can do that via those magical means we all know at social media. We have to tell you how to find us there. Caleb, where are we on social media? Somebody wants to know so bad to tell us what they're thinking. Yeah, you want to you want to you want to talk to us and let us know how much uh, the the fly grosses you out, or any of these movies gross you out, or or if you want to pick your favorite science, science experiment gone wrong, you can hit us up over at facebook.com slash good trash media and leave us a comment or post on our page, or you can uh, you can actually head on over to uh, goodtrashmedia.com and leave us a comment on our webpage there so we can continue the conversation there. And and uh, if you love hearing us talk about our, you know, some of our play these games and talk about some of our favorite science experiments gone wrong or the analysis you're about to hear, if you really dig all of this, we really hope you'll head on over to patreon.com slash GTM. We'll consider contributing uh, money, to, money to us every month so that you too uh, can pick a movie for us to watch. You don't get a whole marathon, but you can pick a movie for us to, to bring analysis to and play games with. There you go. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, is there yet another social media means by which the conversation could be held? Uh, yes, there is, Mr. Sells. You can find the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter at good underscore trash, uh, and that is the, the place for all of our shows on Twitter, uh, both Good Trash, Genrecast Prime, as well as Caleb Masters' Back to the Movies, uh, The People's History of Film, uh, which is my baby and the best of all of them, uh, <laughs> Dustin's show, The Film Syllabus, uh, all of the other content uh, that we have, including uh, The Cast Who Knew Too Much, which is Arthur and Dustin's joint baby, uh, and Someday Soon, uh, the beautiful love child that Arthur and I are currently carrying in our wombs will also uh, be available for contacting on there. So all the fucking content, you get it. I think at you guys good underscore. Don't cut me off. I'm not done at good underscore trash. <laughs> yes, you were going to say something. Dustin. I think you guys probably win ugliest baby. Our baby comes out looking like Alfred Hitchcock. Yours is going to come looking like a dismembered body. Uh, it's going to come. Yep. It's going to come out looking like Dahmer. Uh, not a bad looking guy. Uh, well, okay, fair enough. All right, well, there you go, dear listener. Uh, stay tuned for more on that. But before we get any further, it's now time to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. Alex here. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about Loot Crate. And what a better timing than our anime marathon to talk about Loot Anime. Loot Anime is a partnership between Loot Crate and Crunchyroll. Like the Core Crate, each month you features a different theme and you'll get four to six specially curated items from your favorite anime and mangas. It's like an anime convention in your mailbox. These products have a value of over $60, but Loot Anime gives it to you for just $24.95 and we're going to make it even cheaper. If you sign up at LootCrate.com forward slash good trash and when you select the Loot Anime Crate, use code good trash, one word, when you check out. And you'll save $3. Loot Anime, your monthly mystery subscription box featuring your favorite anime and manga. Thank you very much, uh, Loot Crate and all others who give anything to us in any way. Because, yeah, this is um, a thing that we do and we like to get something for it. Yeah, man. This month's uh, Loot Crate was really sexy, too. I I really enjoyed mine. There you go. Uh, So let's move on, though, guys. I'm so excited to hear what my dear co-hosts have to say about the film Akira. Caleb Masters, you go first. Tell us things. All right. Well, sir, as I mentioned earlier, I I am going to talk about the bomb. I'm going to talk about the the influence the bomb has had on anime uh, as seen in Akira and uh, just really... 
just to a lesser degree, the impact it's had on Japanese film since then. Uh, more, more, more related to anime, but I think I think the same things that you see in anime are, are trends that you also see in the Japanese cinema since the 1940s. I mean, earlier in our marathons, we did uh, Nausicaa. Um, you did, we did, we talked about it. We talked about it uh, at length in Nausicaa, but uh, more specifically, how it related to Miyazaki in particular. I think this one, um, I'm trying. We, I'm going to edge away from Miyazaki, who is also, of course, like one of the most crucial uh, anime directors of our time. Uh, hands down but if we want to look at here uh the end of uh, akira uh there's a throbbing white mass that begins to envelop neo tokyo eventually its swirling winds engulf the metropolis swallowing it whole and leaving a skeleton of a city in its wake throughout the film we see an undeniable amount of explosive imagery like this that, that is referencing the bomb now the dropping of the atomic bombs on hiroshima and nagasaki have had a massive culture there's been a mass- massive cultural shift in Japan, and its pop culture throughout the generations since then. Um, the fallout would leave uh, orphaned children, uh, radiation sickness that's still uh, impacting lives today. Um, there was a loss of uh, national independence. Uh, there was a lot of nature that was destroyed. Um, and it, the, all of these things would be crucial to the impact, uh, would, would crucially impact uh, the direction the anime would take going forward. Yes, the directors and artists such as uh, Osamu Tezuka, uh, who witnessed the devastation firsthand, were at the forefront of uh, the, the movement because they were actually like in, in adulthood. They were you know, cognizant of what was going on and they witnessed it. But to this day, 70 years after the bombs have dropped, these themes continue to be explored by their successors, their children, their grandchildren. Uh, now, like you said, we talked a lot about how this, how this impact, uh, this, the bomb drop impacted Miyazaki's work. And we talked about Nausicaa. Um, but what about other popular anime? Uh, pre-war anime films uh, were usually, there were a lot of shorts. It wasn't like a big mass media. Uh, didn't have quite the funding and had to compete with like Walt Disney and things like that. So there wasn't wasn't a lot of it. Um, but what we had before, before the bomb drop, there was um, a more educational uh, government-sponsored shorts you'd see that would eventually be made into propaganda films uh, leading into World War II. Um, but we're going to look at another director uh, after the dro- uh, after the bombs dropped. Uh, we we begin to see an anxiety about the misuse of technology with uh, anime like Astro Boy. Uh, there are stories about orphans and mutants taking on lead roles, like we see in Akira. Akira itself uh, being a prime example uh, about that features teenagers uh, who don't trust adults because d- adults are squabbling over who's going to have the most power and how they're going to misuse that power. Um, the Barefoot Gen uh, is another historical drama anime that retells the events of the Hiroshima bombing. Uh, later, there, there were even more stories emphasizing the spiritual awakenings and rebirth uh, with a huge, hugely popular anime series from Tezuka, uh, and it was titled Phoenix. Uh, that was a big theme that was explored a good 10, 20 years later about uh, rebirth. Uh, it kind of explored uh, a man as he searched for immortality, and that that particular story incorporated a lot of uh, Buddhist beliefs and ideas and philosophy about reincarnation and rebirth. Um, as the, that director was saying, yes, war is awful, war is terrible, but we also need to build anew. So these are some of the themes you kind of see growing coming out of the, the 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 bomb drop in the '40s that you would see play out for the next 30 or 40 years. Now. These, uh, move, if you move on to the first and second generation of post-war stories, they become more important works in the history of anime that have gone on to inspire the works we've seen today. Uh, one of the more popular mecha animes, uh, Evangelion, uh, was heavily influenced by Tezuka's work uh, and has gone on to, to kind of create its own subgenre that's hugely popular. Uh, the Dragon Ball franchise, for example, uh, is, was, is, one, is still one of the most popular shonen anime. Uh, shonen anime is uh, anime for boys, about boys. Get the picture. 
Um, but it's hugely. I mean, Dragon Ball Z, guys, it's like one of the most popular animes of all time. Um, and that was heavily influenced by Astro Boy and the way Astro Boy was, uh, again, Astro Boy was telling the story about the boy who's a machine meant to combat nuclear weapons. With machine guns in his butt. Exactly. I just want to remind everyone that happened. That Astro Boy has machine guns. But Astro Boy in his butt. He does. But it paved the way for things like uh, Dragon Ball. Uh, and the, and the, what you see uh, is there's a, been a cultural shift and a healing process following the atom bomb. Uh, there was also an, ec- an economic boom in the 1960s uh, in Japan, uh, which also led to um, some overpopulation problems and major metros. Now, if those things sound relevant, let's just bring it back to Akira. Those are all things that play a huge role in this film. Overpopulation, the, the bomb, uh, booming war economy. In his butt. <laughs> oh God my. damn it, Dalton. <laughs> oh my goodness, sir. You are out of line. <laughs> Go stand in the corner. So now that Dalton's in the corner, uh, we're going to bring this back to Akira. The, the film presents, uh, again, more of a second story generation. This is not, this is not a, 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 a story told from the perspective of someone who witnessed uh, the bomb drop, but this is the next generation. Uh, and you're looking at a post-war anime that is upset. There's lots of cultural anxiety about the establishment and Japanese tradition following World War II. You see this over and over again in the movie. They're very upset at the previously established government, war, military, all those things. There's a lot of anxiety and frustration there. Uh, and this frustration is... Uh, so this film, I, I think, uh, you see, and this is why I said earlier that I'm kind of okay with the confusion because I think it really paints a really, really accurate uh, picture of what Japan's mindset was at the time. It's like almost like they were having growing pains, except for it wasn't growing pains; it was healing pains. You know, they're 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 like we're upset at the establishment. What are we gonna? But how? But how are we going to go ahead and keep our country running and going strong without the established government? Right. Well, and, and the events of Akira take place about as far from World War Three as Akira was from World War Two, with the actual production and creation of Akira was from World War Two. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, so I think this is a, this uh, serves as a really, really valuable piece of uh, hist- the history of anime, uh, where you see um, a, a film that's frustrated and upset. It wants to abandon the way of the old um, because uh, the way of the old got them into World War Two and, and, and caused a lot of issues. But at the same time, they're still trying. They're still kind of again, again, uh, this value to history uh, and family heritage that Japan has. You know, it's been ever ingrained into their society. Um, but I would say this film is a really great example of uh, part of the macro healing process and discovery of a new cultural identity that Japan was discovering um, as the manga was released uh, between 1982 and 1990, um, and that, which makes this, I believe, one of the most crucial artifacts of J- Japan's pop culture uh, following post-war Japan. Thank you very, very much for that, Caleb. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you have to say in terms of your analysis? So, I already alluded to this a little bit, um, but I think one of the things that I find really interesting about uh, the film Akira is it's it's really kind of nuanced look at violence. Um, and, and we talk about violence and the portrayal thereof literally uh, almost every episode on the show because we watch a lot of violent movies. Um, but but I think what Akira excels at so well, uh, and to, to speak to that confusion, there there is this this push and pull uh, throughout the whole movie that there is uh, this uh, group of revolutionaries running around blowing stuff up. I can't remember if they ever have an organizational name. Um, Probably in the manga, not in the movie. Yeah, it's not important, though. Uh, What's interesting to me, though, is the the colonel who is, like, responsible for these these psychic kids 
is just as dissatisfied with the government as these, these revolutionaries are. Uh, and there's this really weird tension between the status quo and, and the ideas of revolution. What I think Akira excels very well at is not really siding with either one of them. And the reason it chooses to do this, I think, uh, I'm going to throw it a bone here because we've talked a lot about how confused it is and Dustin's going to talk more about that. Uh, but I think one of the things that it ex- excels at is painting the the usage of violence as a net bad no matter why regardless of whether or not there is a good reason for the violence it is saying you are still getting people hurt people are still dying uh and by the end of the movie we're not just talking about a you know a political or societal revolution we're talking about a full-on transcendent uh spiritual um post-human uh revolution that is happening with um uh, Tetsuo uh, and the psychic kids and they literally like blink out of existence and blink back in in another galaxy or some shit there's some some pretty heavy like psychedelic imagery happening uh, in, in the, 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 the flesh monster um, with its swirls and whatnot. Um, but there's very some very interesting ego death stuff happening in that sequence that I find really interesting what it says though is regardless of whether or not this is a net good whether or not this ego death is good whether or not this political upheaval is good it's going to hurt it's not going to feel good it's going to be bad people are going to get hurt people are going to die uh, and even if you come out the other side of this a better person or we come out the other side of this a better society there will have been a net loss and it's something that you have to reckon with is your ideals got people killed and I find that very interesting. And again, I think that does speak to, as you know, Caleb talked about uh, post-war Japan uh, and moving out into that second generation after the war, uh, talking about that really kind of. And again, this is a really big uh, touch point, a touchstone uh, for a lot of Japanese culture, uh, especially stuff that makes it here to the West is these anti-war, anti-violence leanings. Uh, and I find that really interesting. And I find that kind of refreshing uh, because so much of the content that I consume is Western uh, and does have a a much different relationship with violence. Uh, And that was something I appreciated about Akira was even the the bitch and violence we see is extremely graphic uh, to the point where I I think it's actively trying to get you to not be super into it. I think it fails sometimes because Kaneda is such a badass. Um, It's hard not to think he's cool. but I, I think that is something it's striving towards is making you reckon with violence and just how bad it is. I mean, when somebody gets hit in the head with a pipe in this movie, we're talking a massive amount of blood. Oh, yeah. When what, what do you see on the motorcycle when he drives in the early yeah, in the movie? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's trying to this like this is not fun in games. Like this is what happens if you get hit in the face with a pipe when somebody's going 50 miles an hour on a motorcycle. You might not live. And if you do, your face is going to be a mangled piece of meat. Uh, and that's what we get at the end of the movie is when Kaneda is going through his or Tetsuo is going through his like full on metamorphosis. It's gross. Mm-hmm. It's violent and it is unpleasant for him and everyone around him. Uh, and even though he is, you know, having some sort of, you know, transcended experience um, where he blinks out and becomes a god in another universe or something. I don't really know. I don't think the movie does either. Uh, but the point that it's making is this is probably good for him, but it wasn't like fun. It wasn't fun for him to experience. It wasn't fun for all the people that he that loved him. Um, and that's ditto we get that for the colonel, who has a full-on coup. We haven't even talked about that. Mm-hmm. A big plot point in this movie is that the colonel has a, d- executes a military coup uh, of the, well, I was going to say Democrat 
democratic government. We we don't really get a sense that it's a democratic government in any way, shape, or form. It's an oligarchical government, exactly. I would guess, yeah. And he overthrows everyone else. Um, and we're led to believe that this is probably for the best. That believe it or not, the the military man actually does, in fact, know best of everybody in charge of the society. And even though it might be for the best, a bunch of people die. A bunch of people die stupid, pointless deaths. Um, and that's something that I really appreciated about Akira was forcing the audience to reckon with the extreme, extreme casualty rate if some, when something like this happens. Uh, and I appreciate that. You know, we talk a lot about mass destruction on the show. Uh, and I think there have been a lot of films in the 30 years since Akira came out that don't deal with mass destruction quite as well as it does. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And I'm trying to, again, sort of put a, put a face and a name and a label to what I find to be something sort of confused in the film, as, as you're mentioning, because there, there's, a, there's a sense in which uh, this could have been a movie about how something needs to change and there are no good answers. And, you know, that there, there, there's something to that, that there is this sort of revolutionary in the streets, Occupy sort of thing. They're carrying a lot of red flags around, and so I'm going to go with the communists. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, they're Marxists of some sort because that is sort of the uh, the color iconography politically. Yeah, there's there's something to that, definitely. You know, and so I, I think there's that going on. But this is the flag that Tetsuo is draping himself in. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I think the film is sort of making a, a question about that. We have the established government, which is clearly quite capitalist, oligarchical. We have a rat face fellow putting as much money as possible inside, a, you know, a, a suitcase trying to get away. And so that that the the the, the money bureaucrats that sort of thing are, are are also being questioned. We have the colonel who is uh, something of an okay guy, but clearly this sort of uh military coup d'etat that's that's in the process of happening. And I say on the one hand he 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 is the like most morally pure person in the movie, but on the other hand, uh it involves a lot of keeping secrets. Yeah, keeping secrets as as the military often does, which is not but, which is know, their nature. But yeah, right, which is not a hallmark of an open society. Correct. And so the and and then you know, we can have a you can have a story you can again have the story where it presents the options and all their sort of ugliness and uh, say now you must make the ugly choice but it makes this obscurantist move in which we have the cult of Akira which is definitely uh, painted very badly and foolishly mm-hmm. and, and whatnot but yet there's something to it because they end up becoming uh, the, the three children and Tetsuo one with Akira in you know gods of the other Gnostic universe that they're a part of I don't, Buddhist Gnostic whatever that is I, I, I like it i don't it, it's 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 on it's weird because they don't chase that rabbit at all yeah and then and that really is a problem but it's just begun which yeah. is this sort of like weird hint at what i'm not sure well and again i would i, w- I really would be interested in in having i don't know if i have the time but, but looking at the original manga and the source material for that because yeah. i don't it might i, I honestly don't know if it, if it, if it if ends they, in the same place if it's the same place if they, but the, do they, the condensed stuff is into it i i checked yeah the condensed stuff is mostly act two act three stuff it ends roughly in the same place okay but i mean like are some of those ideas that dustin is talking about fleshed out more that would be the big question i have yeah, I, I, it would be neat to see that. But what we have in the text before us, though, is, again, something that's quite confused. I mean, yes, you can say things are bad and people are bad and all of our solutions are going to be fallen, except for there is this sort of hope in human transcendence and evolution. There is this idea that, yes, all these things are corrupt and the revolutionary impulse are the good guys, but they're also crazy people and they wrap themselves up in the flag of communism and become Tetsuos and uh, sort of... Uh, authoritarian technocratic you know mass murdering genocidal maniacs i mean what's going to happen and so for for my money the film is definitely playing with the stew of world politics and of revolution and of uh again sort of uh, auto, uh, uh 
autocrats and bureaucrats. It's playing with all of that sort of stuff and questioning a lot of it and then sort of hinting at answers and then hiding at answers, but not in a way where, again, it's sort of like make up your own mind, do your own wrestling, read a book. It's just, and it's a mess. And the only thing that we can really rely on, it seems, if the film is saying anything, is tragedy catastrophe and that by accident something good's going to happen and on that i call bullcrap well the movie is uh one of the biggest criticisms of this too uh from like a lot of uh, writers at the time when the film came out was that it has a real nihilist edge to it yeah. and i think that's how it is. i mean to your to your point i, I don't know if it, again I, maybe maybe it's confused because it doesn't seem like it's a nihilist film but at the same time that is a very nihilist it, way to, it, to end the it, it's almost a sort of like nihilistic humanism because yeah. yeah. again it, it does strive really hard at that point about violence even for the sake of revolution or or for the sake of good is still violence um, but it does seem to to suggest that uh, catastrophe mass violence is the natural state of human beings um, and I, I'm with you I, I call bullshit I, I certainly hope not uh, at any rate um, that that's not all we we have um, but it, yeah it's it's this weird I, I would agree with uh, the, the people who were talking about it at the time that it, it does kind of veer into nihilism but again a weird humanistic nihilism that I don't think the film knows what to do with and I think what we find fundamentally then is the weakness of postmodernism itself uh, deconstruction specifically in terms of postmodernism because it, to an extent that's what this film is doing it yeah. is a deconstruction of all of the things but the problem is once you're down to the rubble once you're down to the foundations it you do need to build something. You do need to suggest something, or at least the frameworks by which something could be constructed. And it absolutely fails to do that. And so, again, I, I, I find the movie great. I really, really like it a lot. But ideologically, it is, uh, to an extent, something of a navel-gazing exercise that is confused in what it's finding in its own navel. and uh, Which means, I don't know, clean your belly more, I guess? I don't know. But um, I'm troubled by this. And uh, that's, that is the analysis that I would want to bring forward on the film Akira. Thank you very much, dear co-host, for what you've said. We've done some great analysis, I think, but we must render a verdict. Shelf for trash. Elsewhere instead. Dalton, go. Well, I already spoiled it. Uh, I think it's, it's shelf, man. I think this is an important movie. Uh, and we've touched on all the reasons that it's weird and wonky and troubled uh, and confused. Um, but I, I think it's it's good. I think it's really good. I think it is hands down the best anime we have watched period bar none over the course and now again i did have to miss out on the wind rises on our last marathon uh, and i wish i hadn't um however i think that said uh, this is this is hands down the best one um i'm gonna recommend uh with it uh believe it or not something else japanese i'm gonna recommend the metal gear solid franchise which Ooh. yeah um has a lot of this anti-violence, anti-war stuff. Uh, neighboring, uh, definitely approaching the realm of way too preachy uh, at times. Uh, well, no, it's way too preachy most I mean, of the time. I mean, when there's a 45-minute uh, yeah, ending cut scene at the end of 4 to it, tell you about the whole point of the game. Yeah, it's it's a little too preachy. Uh, but, but I think they are definitely carrying the torch and the lifeblood of Akira, both in terms of genetic experimentation and uh, post Cold War stuff. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting franchise, and I definitely I, I like those games a lot. Uh, at least the, up until the fourth one, I haven't played this newest one. Um, but but there, there's definitely interesting stuff going on, and they they play with a lot of um, Hideo Kojima is playing a, with a lot of the same stuff that Akira is playing with. A lot of uh, this interrogation of what does warfare mean? Is it, do we have to keep doing this? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really important stuff. Um, Arthur put this, our producer Arthur put this bug in my ear because he did watch the film. He just didn't have time 
to uh, prepare for recording, uh, but he definitely recommended Chronicle, which absolutely, there's a lot of the same stuff going on in Chronicle uh, as far as the, the, the transcendent post-humanism type shit. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and also, Chronicle's just a lot of fun. It's really good, and it's got uh, sweet baby Michael B. Jordan. Um, mm, uh, and he's just great. Uh, it's uh, like his his first like breakout role post The Wire, uh, pre-Fruitvale Station. Um, so uh, you can go watch that and be ready when he becomes the next Denzel, and you'll be like, yeah, I knew about Michael B. Jordan before he, uh, before he was cool. Um, do that. Do it now. Check out those things. Do it now. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you say? Shelfer trash, else or instead? Yeah, no, I think this is absolutely a shelfer. Uh, this was the second time I watched it. The first time I think I dr- dove into the deep end of the adult anime film uh, film pool, and I liked it at the time. It was like uh, when I tried it, was trying to get an adult anime after my freshman year of college, I looked at a list of like greatest anime of all time, and I was like, all right, let's check this out. And I liked it, but man, it was a little much. So I don't know if this is a necessarily an anime for beginners, but man, this is a damn good movie, guys. Uh, it's, it's painting such an interesting picture of uh, Japan cultural mindset that time at the time and i think it definitely belongs on your shelf um as confused as it may be i think it's something i actually appreciate about the film um else uh let's look at human evolution uh, a little step further and uh let's watch 2001 a space odyssey because i think there's definitely the, the theme of uh, human evolution that's put present with the, the you know the psychic children being kind of the accidental next step um then you all uh, another movie that i thought this movie this film had a lot in common with was actually carrie uh tetsuo going on a very carrie-esque uh kind of a character arc where he, he discovers his powers. He's not sure what it means and then loses control and then gains control in a real, in a way that's really scary. Um, I, I also had Chronicle on my recommends because I think that's a great movie. And again, very, very similar to Carrie as well. This teenager who has his power that he doesn't quite know what to do with. And lastly, uh, because uh, we're ending this anime marathon and if you were going to watch a film about post war Japan, you've got to watch the original Godzilla. All right, Dustin, what's what? Well, it's definitely Shelf. I already own it. I mean, you know, it, it's the first anime I ever saw. I was probably 15, 16 years old when I watched it. I double-billed it with uh, Vampire Hunter D. Uh, so I'm going to recommend Vampire Hunter D, uh, which I do feel bad that we have not seen it for this marathon, though. Um, not going to fucking happen. Yeah, well, I think you would like it more than you think. Yeah, yeah you'd like Paprika more than you thought, too. Yeah, well. No, you know, it so. might exist in the almighty randomizer, grum, right? Grumble, 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 grumble. Yeah, so I wouldn't recommend that. Um, and, you know, uh, 2000 one I think is an excellent uh, selection, uh, Mr. Masters, uh, for that, and uh, it's just definitely worth your time. So take a look at it. Take a look at the Vampire Hunter D. Take a look at uh, 2001, and a uh, good time will be had uh, by all uh, with that. We'd love to hear your recommends uh, to pair with this particular cheese. What wine would go with it? We'd love to know that uh, via those magical means of social media that we've already mentioned thus far. But now we must talk about next week. Next week begins the month of shock. October. Oh, it's time (laughs) once again, baby. I'm so excited. Shocktober is our horror marathon, and we do this every year, and I always have a great time with it. So does Dalton. So does Caleb. uh, So does Arthur. Give it to Um, me. Sometimes so does Alex. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Um, I'm so fucking pumped. It's uh, gonna be good. I'm craving it. It's time. Uh, oh, oh you're, 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 you're craving it? I'm you're craving, craving it, it, baby. The season of The Witch is upon us. That's right. Yes. But we're not watching season of The Witch. No, we're not going to watch we, Halloween No, we're watching uh, Wes Craven. No, but we are fucking... Oh, dude. Hey, guess I'm, what we are watching? I'm tell- Say it. We're going to watch Shadow of the Vampire, guys. Which is a weird pick. I don't know if anyone else other than me and Dustin remember this movie. So it's Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. John Malkovich. It takes place during the shooting of... Nosferatu, right. and what if the actor that played Count Orlock was, in fact, 
a motherfucking vampire. This sounds freaking amazing, guys. I'm all over this. I'm so all over I'm this. so pumped. It, it's so meta. It's so it's 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 just it's everything. My my dad, my my real dad, uh, loved this movie when it came out, uh, and that was my first exposure to it. So I am so excited to check this movie out. Uh, it's a weird cult oddity. We try to squeeze in one forgotten horror movie every Shocktober, and this this is the one this yes. this year. This is the weird one that most people probably haven't heard of. I'm oh it's Shocktober. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, guys, whatever you like, you like anime, great. You like horror, you, great. You like rom coms, great. But because it's really not about the content anyway, it's about the conversation. It's about discussing the movies with your friends. That's why we do what we do. We're gonna keep watching. You're gonna keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. In his butt. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.